The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. His favorite receiver, number 11 in the slot right. They have five wideouts. Four man rush takes off and got to the goal line. No signal now. It's a touchdown. Rudock had his legs taken out from under him, dove for the pylon and hit it. Nice run by Rudock, his fifth rushing touchdown. Although he took a shot at the goal line. And the Hawkeyes have extended their lead to 10 nothing. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes. Mike, this podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's win at Minnesota, and he previews the Hawkeyes' upcoming homecoming game against a Legends division rival, Michigan State. We also have our weekly Big Ten Conference update. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbinot and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeyes' Susan Dank, and Steve. Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out both of the reporters' notebook shows this week, featuring Steve Batterson and Scott Docterman. The Iowa-Minnesota game highlights are courtesy of ABC with Mike Patrick and Ed Cunningham. A decent job in play-by-play and analysis. We appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeyes Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's win at Minnesota, and he previews the Michigan State game. Marv, your overall thoughts on the Minnesota win. The Hawkeyes now sit at 4-1 and one overall, 1-0 one and oh in the Big Ten. The win breaks a six-game Big Ten losing streak for Iowa. It's a second straight win over Minnesota. Floyd stays in Iowa City. Yeah, you know, it was uh, obviously a great game and, and a great win for Iowa. I thought they were very dominant in the running game and, and you know, continue to be real efficient in the passing game. And so just, uh, you know, a great step for the team. And, you know, we've got to keep perspective here. I mean, you know, a lot of things similar to this last year, kind of similar run in the preseason, the non-district, non conference schedule and then we got in the first two and we won you know Michigan State and Minnesota and, and that's when we kind of ran into a, uh, the pitfall so you know ultimately great win get but refocus get ready for Michigan State. You hit the nail on the head last week in your predictions and what you thought of Minnesota even with their four-game winning streak and their terrific rushing stats were they overrated or were they just no match for the Hawkeyes in this particular you know, game? A, a little both I mean it's easy to sit there and see a 4-0 record without really looking at who they'd played and, and how they'd played playing them and you know and that's kind of one thing you got really do is just evaluate uh, a lot of that and, and that's you know we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to Michigan State as well but uh, but ultimately I mean Iowa is really they're finding out who they are and, and, and they're hanging their hat on that and having a lot of success with it and you know until people stop that or figure out a way to stop it they're going to continue to have success but uh, thanks for remembering that I did basically hammer that that call so was it your sense that that was probably so far in the 2013 season Iowa's best play on both sides of the ball in terms of their lines yeah I, I thought the protection was great 
great, you know, and I, and I think, you know, obviously the running game was phenomenal again, and they were getting big chunks again, and so, I mean, I, I thought it was the, the, the offensive line and defensive line's best game thus far, and, you know, it posed a challenge, but it, it wasn't, you know, I mean, Minnesota, as good a rushing game as it looked like they had on paper, it wasn't that good, so, I mean, their offensive line, to me, didn't look like they were big earth mover kind of guys, so, but but ultimately, our guys, the good thing about our 11, they'll fight you, and, and they'll get after you, and, and if you're not playing with proper pad level and hand placement, all that stuff, and, and you're in for a long day because uh, our guys are tough guys. Some pretty impressive offensive stats, again, for the Hawkeyes in that Minnesota game. You watch the play of Jake Rudock. You talked a lot about him last week and how impressed you are. It's hard to believe that that game Saturday was only his fifth game as a starter, his first start in the Big Ten, and only the second on the road. I'm going to catch a ton of grief for this, but I'm going to go out and say, you know, what we are right now is a, is a mini version of Alabama. Okay, if you watch Alabama play, they hammer you, they hammer you, they hammer you, and then you watch A.J. McCarron go back and he's got receivers working one-on-one with no underneath coverage because everybody's up trying to stop the run and you're able to throw these mid-level passes basically uncontested underneath because you know because everybody's committed to stopping the run and, and rightfully so because you're hammering it down their throat you know so it's been a it's been a really good process of watching how they've they've managed the running game and developed into the passing game and you know I, I see more of the same the next few weeks. Rudock passed the ball around nicely again eight receivers yep. want to talk just a little about about Demond Powell he had that 74-yard touchdown reception in the second quarter. It's the longest play from scrimmage this season for Iowa. 23rd longest touchdown reception in school history. He's only got four catches, but he's averaging 51.5 yards per catch. Yeah, and unfortunately for Minnesota, they were they were in the wrong call. I think they brought it pretty much. It wasn't an all-out blitz, but it was a pretty pretty heavy blitz with guys up the middle and guys off the edge, and, and that basically left a zero coverage in the back, and it took one block, and he was out. You know, he was able to do the rest, and that's kind of what happened. So, you know, obviously a great play call at that time and got the ball in the right guy's hands to make a big play out of it. Play-by-play guys called that a bubble screen, but it's not really. It's technically, I guess, in the Iowa parlance, a tunnel screen. And Ken O'Keefe used to refer to that as semi-organized chaos. Can you talk about the difference of what a tunnel screen actually is? The way we look at it, a tunnel comes inside, a bubble's going outside. To us, that was like a mini tunnel because he basically caught it where the bubble would have been caught. He hit it out just inside the numbers, outside the hash, and, and then hit it straight up from there. But a lot of times you're just going to let the receivers do the blocking for the tunnel guy. Uh, and like I said, I mean, I think they were in a, in a pretty good blitz defense, and it basically just forced us to block one guy. And once we got that block, it was out the gate. But tunnel comes all the way back inside. It's the true jailbreak where they talk about, you know, that, that's where you are getting chaos because now you got linemen flying out, D linemen flying to the ball, and receivers coming back into it. So it is controlled chaos. A lot of really critical third and long conversions in this game. It enabled Iowa to sustain drives at critical times, especially in the fourth quarter where they overwhelmingly dominated time of possession versus Gophers. And Iowa's ranking pretty well this year in their third down conversions compared in, in, to the past. The fact that they were able to run a lot of them, too. I mean, they, you know, they were getting good chunks off tackle and lead blocks. And, you know, the fullbacks now catching balls out of the backfield was going to make us more dynamic as well. So, you know, they, they've just got a lot of ways to attack uh, and convert those third downs. And, and anytime you can still have the threat of a running play on a third and 12, I mean, you've got a huge advantage from an offensive standpoint versus a defense. And I think that's kind of where they're at right now. They're 14th in the nation right now on third down conversions, which is pretty impressive. But the biggest problem continues, it appears to be, on offense. The fact it's their their play inside the red zone and trying to finish drives. They've attempted 10 field goals so far this year. That's more than any team in the conference. In their 23 trips to the red zone, they have just 11 touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's obviously something they're going to have to continue to improve on. And and, and that'll come. I mean, it's just, you still got young, you know, decision makers. I think they're being more conservative than they would be normal.
normally with an experienced quarterback, they don't want to put him in a decision where he's going to make a bad bad throw and affect the drive and take points off the board. And I think as he continues to develop, they'll get more aggressive with that and open up the playbook down there, and that'll help a little bit. So, you know, it, it, it's all a work in progress. Things tighten down when you get in the red zone. There's not as much real estate in there and, and allows defenses to tighten the zones and, and ultimately to, to tighten up on the, uh, you know, the running game as well. So uh, it, they'll work through it. And fortunately for us, our, our field goal kicker is pretty darn good. You know, I think he missed one, but uh, but for the most part, he's been pretty solid. Another terrific game by Wiseman. He had 147 net rushing yards, but most of those did not come inside the red zone, just what you were referring to. They really tightened down, and his gains inside the red zone were pretty limited in that. Iowa's going to have to do something to open up those play calls, aren't they, when you're down there like that? I, I think they'll get more and more comfortable with Jake, and that'll, that'll help a lot with what they're doing, and you know, and that'll make us more diverse once we get down there. I mean, we do get, you, you never want to take points off the board with a mistake, and I think they're getting more and more comfortable with Jake at the, at the helm, and, and they'll give him a little bit more freedom as he gets in there and, and, and open up the playbook a little bit more, which will you know force defenses to play a little bit more honest. Iowa continues to run a lot of offensive plays. They didn't get as many in this game just because of the nature of the how the things were unfolding, but they're now running the ball 66% of the time, which is the ninth highest in the nation last year. They were nearly a 50-50 split. The other interesting thing about Iowa's offensive stats is last year, they were 113th at this point in time in terms of plays run, offensive plays run. Yeah, and a lot of it's just uh, purely the fact that we're having so much success running the football and, and, and really getting it done there, so and controlling the clock and, and chewing up yards, and, and that's you know, obviously going to be conducive to us having the time of possession and getting more snaps off. So And then also forcing defenses or forcing the other team to be more aggressive offensively, trying to come from behind and pass, and that obviously you don't get as many snaps when you're doing that if you're not having success moving the ball through the air. So it's all played out well, and I mean, if you if Coach Ferentz was going to script the first, you know, I think, uh, you know, five games at this point, he'd probably, you know, be pleased with where we're at, but obviously in hindsight would like the Northern Illinois, Northern Illinois game, but I think it, it really is shaping up to be a great Kirk Ferentz-type team and, and playing the game the way that you want to play it. Greg Davis came in as offensive coordinator last year. Obviously not much worked on offense last year. What do you see him doing differently now? Is it, is it in the way he's calling games? It is, is it in the kind of plays they're running, or does Iowa just have better athletes in those positions, or at least more understanding from the players who are in the skill slots? Well, I think our offensive line is, is really gelled and is really playing well and as a, as a unit and really uh, you know picking up zone blitzes and run blitzes and getting the fullback on the linebacker and you know we got a, we got a masher there that fullback is just lighting those backers up and I'm telling you you take two or three of those on the fifth and sixth one you don't take on is sharp you take an edge and now you got a bigger crease in there and uh, you know the thing you see with our offensive line is they're covering guys you know and it's a, you hear announcers talking about it. if you can get a hat on a hat if you can get a guy on a guy and have a fullback leading up in there you're going to get positive yardage and as long as you're covering guys up and not letting guys run free and, and that's what they've been able to do effectively through the first five games so it's been a you know if you really watch it if you slow it down and you watch the plays and watch the linemen get on guys and fit up uh, it, I mean it really has been a work of art very very effective for the Hawks. You talked last week about the importance of making a team one-dimensional on offense and the fact that Minnesota was pretty much one-dimensional heavy on the rush almost no passing game coming into the Iowa contest. Iowa made them one-dimensional right off the bat. You talk about an outstanding defense played against the rush last Saturday. Minnesota ended up with only 30 yards on the ground, forced them to go to the air, and their passing attack just wasn't that good. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, they, they, they didn't want to give up on the run, and, and at some point, you're beating your head against the wall, you know, and I just felt like it was amazing to watch some of the play calling Minnesota was trying when they just, you were better off trying to, you know, get something on the edge, or and they were still trying to run that zone inside against the Hawks, and, and it was just, 
we were crushing them inside. So I, I thought Minnesota actually had some success in passing the ball. Uh, yeah, it'll still be interesting to see those teams that are, are willing to throw it to set up the run. You know, I think that's what that's the next step that we've got to prove that we can stop is when a team wants to spread us out and throw it and then, you know, run it inside after that. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, Michigan State is not that team. They're going to try to pound it inside as well and then throw it. And, and if you can't run the ball effectively, I mean, it's your passing game is definitely behind the eight ball a little bit. Yeah, the Hawks held them to more than 250 yards below their average rushing. The passing uh, defense seemed to be better, even though that's where Minnesota had some success. The defense continued to show a lot of aggressiveness. Iowa did finally get four sacks in a game, three of them by defensive linemen. But you did see a handful of plays where, in particular, B.J. Lowry, who had such an outstanding game against Western Michigan, was getting beaten badly. Could you see what was occurring there, what, why that was you happening? Know, yeah, I saw a couple of those, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, I remember one in particular, and I, and I can't remember if he was peaking. You know, I mean, a lot of times you'll peak and you'll you'll, you'll anticipate, and that can get you in trouble. Uh, you just got to, you know, you got to play the defender first and, and play through the defender. A lot of times, if you get a little too aggressive, you'll you'll try to, you know, take it a bad angle, and that, that may get you beat. I thought Minnesota's quarterback was okay. You know, his accuracy wasn't the best. I mean, I thought he was off mark a lot, and there was drop balls, and guys were running open and, and things like that. So, but, but ultimately, I, I mean, I think we are getting better in the, in the back end and the secondary, and it's going to continue to improve as they get tested more and more each week and uh, as they get comfortable with everybody's supposed to be. But I, I think a lot of it with Lowry was just, you know, he's an aggressive guy by nature, which I love, and I think it's good. And, you know, you got to, you know, if you're going to be a great corner, you got to have a short, short-term memory and, and put stuff behind you and learn from it and make sure those, you know, you don't make the same mistake twice. And, and fortunately for us, they, they, they weren't big enough things that Minnesota was able to score on and, and, and make huge plays against us. So ultimately, it didn't cost us the game. Guessing his posterior was a little sore after that game because there were several instances where Phil Parker was chomping on him big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so, and some of those, I mean, it's tough. I mean, you know, the other guy's trying to make plays, too. You know, I think one time he just, he, he let the guy get the wrong release. You know, I think he let him go inside. He wasn't for, supposed to let him inside or something. And, and that, you know, that's what you were basically beat right from the get-go, just on a, on a mental bust by letting the guy on his release beat you. But, you know, those things will be cleaned up and they'll be better because of it. James Morris had a terrific game, moved up in the all-time uh, Iowa rankings for linebackers. Talk about his play at this point in the season and this point in his career. Brilliant. He gets it. He takes the game to another level. I mean, little things, like on the quarterback sneak, you know, they were running a quarterback sneak against us. He comes up and he diving, he's diving in there and he throws his hand in there, wondering if the quarterback's going to throw his hands up, you know what I'm saying? And the quarterback kind of kept the ball somewhat close, but if he if he does reach out with his hands, I mean, James is going to knock that ball out and it's going to be a fumble and, and we got a chance to get it. I mean, it's, it's a brilliant play. It, it didn't work because the quarterback didn't, you know, extend the ball, but if he did, it would have been a phenomenal play. And so he, the guy's just brilliant. He, he's a great player who gets the game, plays it the right way, can run, can hit, plays with leverage, great nose for the ball, you know, and, and, and you know, if you throw it around him, he's catching it. I'm telling you. If the ball's in the air, he thinks it's his. Uh, and that's just his mindset, and that's why he's such a great player. Special teams play in that game, a little bit of both. Uh, Meyer, although he missed a field goal, he made three, became the third leading scorer in Iowa history. The last one was a big one because it really kind of locked that game down. The biggest problem in Saturday's game, again, was the kickoff coverage. Kirk talked at his press conference about how he wasn't quite as concerned about that as he was earlier because the breakdowns that occurred this past Saturday weren't sort of fundamental ones that were occurring earlier in the season. This is something, though, that they have to get fixed because in the Big Ten, that could make a big difference in each game. 100%. I mean, it's that is those are the things that win and lose games when it gets, especially when you're playing tight games, close games. Field position is, is critical, as you said. I mean, it's just you have 
have to be rock solid. Uh, and, and, and here's the deal. Is each week we start playing, we're going to face incrementally better teams. And, and so you've got to continue to elevate your game and make your game better. Kind of an intriguing thing in pregame warm-ups, DeMond Powell was working as a kickoff returner back with Cotton and Kanzuri. With his speed, would you like to see him in that position? Yes, yes, obviously. You know, I mean, he's a game changer. He may be a guy that's going to get you a mistake or two here, but you got to live with that to some extent. And for every, you know, mistake he makes, he might be able to make you two great plays. You know, like you said, I mean, if you're averaging 50 yards a touch, let's get you more touches. You know, that would be a, a theory that I would go with. And, and if he can do it, if he's got the skill set and the mindset to do it, I mean, it takes a different breed back there to, to do that stuff, trust me. And if he's got it and he, or he could grow into it, I would definitely try to give him some reps. After the Big Ten update, Marv goes in-depth previewing Iowa's game against the Spartans. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. In our Big Ten update this week, through the first five weeks of play, three Big Ten teams remain unbeaten going into this weekend. Ohio State remained that way by topping Wisconsin and Columbus in a hard-fought game that came down to the fourth quarter, and both Northwestern and Michigan State had bye weeks. Two of those squads boast some of the longest winning streaks in the nation. Ohio State leads the FBS with 17 straight victories, and Northwestern's streak is at seven, which is currently tied for fourth longest after its bye week. One of the those will definitely come to an end to Saturday night in Evanston when the Wildcats and Buckeyes square off in a nationally televised game that should be very entertaining. One conference trophy is at stake on Saturday when Michigan plays host to Minnesota in the annual battle for the Little Brown Jug. It will be the 100th meeting between these two teams and is the oldest trophy game in the Big Ten. The conference continues to boast some of the top-ranked teams in terms of rushing, both offensively and defensively. Six Big Ten programs rank in the top 25 on offense, including Iowa, and seven teams are among the top 30 on defense. Both the Hawkeyes and Michigan State fall into that category. Key matchups this week include the aforementioned Northwestern Ohio State game, as well as Iowa playing host to Michigan State. Both of those contests are intra-division matchups. There is one cross-divisional game, and while I never thought we'd be talking like this before the season started, Illinois playing at Nebraska could be a very interesting game especially given the Illini's offense going up against the struggling Cornhuskers' defense. In terms of individual stats and national rankings, Mark Wiseman is 15th in the nation in rushing yards per game. No Michigan State player is ranked offensively, which is not a surprise given the Spartans' struggles on offense through their first four games. Four conference teams continue to appear in the AP and or USA Today national polls. Ohio State remains in the top five in both of those, while Northwestern and Michigan are ranked between 15th and 19th, and Nebraska is back at number 25 in the USA Today poll only. I'm a shot. 30. 30 seconds. I'm on right now. I don't believe you. Now they're going to bring in Mike Meyer, the kicker here. This is the second. Fourth and short, you're getting into Big Ten play the way you've been able to run the ball. I understand the three here. In my opinion, I'd still think you should go for it here the way you're running the ball early on. Yeah, you think Iowa, you think Power 
the football. This will be a 49-yard attempt, and he's got that one. Nice kick by the 6-2 senior. Iowa strikes first, 3-0 at Minnesota. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Next, Marv Cook previews Iowa's homecoming game against the Michigan State Spartans. Let's look ahead now at Michigan State. Iowa's won three of the last four meetings, including a double overtime win 19-16 to last season up in East Lansing. It's the second consecutive Legends Division matchup for the Hawkeyes. Michigan State comes in with one of the nation's top defenses. In fact, they rank so high in most of the D stats. They're number one in total defense, number one in fewest plays allowed of 10 yards or more per game. Iowa's defense is ranked pretty high in several of those categories, too. Michigan State's third in preventing third-down conversions, and they're number one in fewest yards allowed per rush attempt. And they're a little unusual in that they're really excellent defenders against both the run and the pass, so that's going to be a major challenge for Iowa's offense this week. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to go back to what I was saying about Minnesota. I mean, uh, you know, that's where stats can still be misleading to some extent. You know, I mean, they're good. I'm not, I'm not going to say they're not good and they're better you know they'll be better than, than Minnesota athletically but I, I still don't think those stats are true you know I watched them play against Notre Dame I've seen them play in some of the other games they played a couple of MAC teams I think early and, and they were they were games late so I, mean, I think they're talented uh, and you know they do some things that'll that'll test us and, and challenge us but ultimately I think for Iowa it's going to be more of the same and, and, and we're going to be big and physical up front I think Michigan State's and well, I guarantee you will not have seen anything like our running game in their first five games and, and we'll have trouble with it definitely on Saturday they play a very aggressive style of defense, pretty controversial pass interference calls in that Notre Dame game. Kirk was asked about that at his press conference. The last few years, there's been some undercurrents about the Spartans playing fairly chippy on defense anyway, and Michigan State's athletic director actually complained, or well, put it this way, he asked for clarification from the Big Ten on just what pass interference was. When when an athletic director does that and they make a big deal out of it, coming out of a nationally televised game like the Spartans against the Fighting Irish, what does that do to officials? I mean, are they going to be intimidated by that, or are they going to go ahead and call a game the way they think it should I mean, be called? They'll, they'll, they'll review, and they'll, I mean, they watch film just like players do, and they'll, they'll evaluate, you know, what they saw or what they perceive they saw, and then what the replay shows, and, and they'll try to learn from it and get better. But ultimately, they're going to call what they, what they see. If you're going to play an aggressive style, and you're going to get up the offense's grill, which is what they do on the edge, they get out, they, they, they want to press you, they want to man-run man, and the ball's in the air, and you're running, there's there's contact and it, and, it, and it causes the receiver not to be able to catch the ball, they're going to call a penalty. I mean, it's just, it's an offensive game right now. And if you're willing to play that way, then they're going to call it. It's not, 
about the NFL. It, it is still college football, and they're going to call it like college football. And you know that's why you see you know a lot of teams drop back playing zone, hook zones, and, and then coming up on it and keeping it in front and making plays that way. So that way it takes away a lot of those you know those judgment calls where were you holding, were you you know were you shoving, you know all that stuff. And you know ultimately when you play in zone, it's just need to get there too early when you come up and make the play. And, and that's Michigan State style, and and they're they're going to win games because of it, but they're also going to lose games because of it uh, because of their aggressive nature. And what I think it's going to hurt them with us is you get up and you press guys, you, you run man, well now as a receiver you don't even have to block those guys, you just run them off. And now you got Wiseman running 10, 15 yards down the field and the corner's turned and run with the receiver and so here he goes for another 15 yards because the corner's not in the run game. So I, mean, I think that's going to cause them a lot of problems. They haven't had to experience that yet and I think Saturday they're going to they're gonna see a lot of it. As good as at least the stats make Michigan State's defense appear, their offense has been a mighty struggle so far this season. A toy D'Antonio did with the starting quarterbacks for a while. He appears to have centered now, he says, on sophomore Connor Cook, who played most of the game against Notre Dame. The senior, Andrew Maxwell, has played a bit, actually came in on the last drive at Notre Dame. It's not an exaggeration to, we talk about one making offenses one-dimensional. This Michigan State offense, at least at this point in time, is almost no-dimensional. Yeah, I mean, and trust me, they're, they're in for a, a tough day offensively when they come in here Saturday and, and uh, see what our defense is going to do to the running game and force them to pass and now you got you got a quarterback who started the game against Notre Dame and then the last drive when the game's on the line is, is sitting next to the coach I don't care what you tell the guy he's going to have doubts when he goes back on the field and then they had, I think they had a bye week this last week to sit and think about it and you know obviously they're going to try to clean things up but it you know our, our group is tough I mean and they really are tough and physical if you're if you're not effectively running the football and you're in third and eights all day long it is difficult because we'll give you the four yard or we'll come up and tackle it your punt you know but to try to force it in on a 10 yard curl or something into a tight zone, uh, that's that's difficult. And, you know, now that our, we're getting some more pressure with our front four and, and, and blitzing periodically, you know, it's going to make it very difficult on a you know an inexperienced quarterback to, to move the ball effectively and consistently down the field. Because what it's going to take against us, it's going to take 10 plays, 8 plays, 12 play kind of drives, and, you know, converting third down over and over and over again during the course of the drive. And, and you got to be really good to be able to do that uh, against a solid defense like Iowa's got right now. Just a quick question about the importance of homecoming games. I think in the old days, and I included that in that definition you know, when I was growing up. Certainly in the 50s, 60s, 70s, homecoming games, I think, had a lot more importance placed on them, at least for the fans even. Today, though, with the players and, and the way coaching staffs approach games, and, and even for the fans, does homecoming still hold the importance it used to? Player? Honestly, no. I don't think. I don't think, I don't think it changes the routine at all from what the players are doing, and they're, they're locked in on Michigan State. I mean, I really don't think it's a, it's a, you know, other than you see Herky with a beard, you know, and you get the alumni band out there, which I love. And, you know, unfortunately, you don't get to go down on Friday night and watch the parade go through downtown either, which is one of the coolest things in Iowa City to experience. But from a player standpoint, it, it doesn't, you know, it's a, it's a home game against Michigan State, against a great Big Ten team. Recent history here, really since Hayden Fry, but especially under the Ferentz coach teams, these have been close, very physical games, often decided near the end of the game sometimes on the very last plays. Clearly, this will be the best measuring stick of the season so far for Iowa, especially Iowa's offense, probably. Talk about that, your keys to the game, your prediction. Yeah, I think it will be our best test so far, just from an athletic standpoint. I mean, I think Michigan State is athletic, a lot of tough guys. And so it's going to be a good challenge. But ultimately, until you see our running game up close and personal and try to stop it, it's difficult. I mean, the, the, the game 
game, as much as we talk about the game changing, and it has changed the spread into more of a finesse and athletic style, and you, you try to defend that, you try to defend that, you defend that with athleticism, you defend that with speed. When you line up and play against Iowa, you got to play with power, and you got to play with strength, and you got to play with you know everything else as far as uh, a physical nature over and over and over again, and that's hard to do. And uh, you know, I mean, I think Iowa knows who they are right now. That's who they are, and they're going to hang their hat on it. And you know, I honestly think it's going to be a, a extremely solid game and you know I was going to look very good doing what they do and have this continued success again it may be a little bit more difficult to throw the ball as, as easily as we've had in the past but also ultimately if we can continue to run the ball effectively you know there's going to be nobody underneath these these longer routes these comebacks these digs and, and Jake's going to continue to have great season so ultimately I mean I think it's a 28 you know 28 to 10 type of game I think it's going to be I think it'll be similar to Minnesota I think we'll have you know, we'll have as much success running the football but I think we'll have more success offensively making bigger plays against Michigan State 2810, I'm gonna say. <laughs> my kind of team, Charlie, is my kind of team. They come out with two wide receivers to the top of your screen, and Cobb is the tailback. Nelson looks that way, then looks back the other way. Throws nearly caught. Is it intercepted? It is. Picked off on the bounce by Christian Kirksey, the outside linebacker. This was a throw to the right that came back. They were trying to set up the screen to Goodger. And because Alvis was standing there, the throwing lane was not there. Hawkeye's Mike Football Shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to ABC for the game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. You can call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.